to Totalis Rankium. This week, John 2. Hello and welcome to Roman Emperor's Hotelus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all the emperors from Augustus to Constantine eleven, And we are on the 147th episode. Ooh. It is John Numero Tuo. Very well known, that's for sure. Very well known is, is John T. Also known as John the Beautiful. Oh, yes. John. Oh, yes. John the Good. Meant to be spectacularly ugly, apparently. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh. He obviously writes his own history. That's good. Um, well, well, we'll get into the, the John the Beautiful thing in a bit, but it, apparently it's more to do with the state of his soul rather than his physical appearance. That's even worse. Yeah, that is, isn't it? So what... <laughs> is this not boding, not boding well for you? Were you hoping for some good scandal, were you? Well, I was just hoping for a, a looker we could mock and have, you know, he's always playing, pruning his hair. And... Maybe he thought he was a looker. To be fair, we get most Ooh. of the uh, the ugly description from his sister, and uh, she was not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I feel like we're just chatting about the guy before we're doing the episode. Let's do the episode, shall we? Yeah, okay. So he's got a sister. Yes, that that would be Anna Comnener, who wrote the, uh, the massive biography about their father. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, right, here we go. John 2. Son of the impressive Alexios, who we, we gave Jeanne Césaire to last, last time. He was all right, wasn't he? He was all right, he was all right. I mean, I feel, whilst editing, and I'll be honest, I'm surprised we didn't get more, more backlash, although we did get a bit, I think we were a bit harsh on him in, uh, in, in Successus Ultimus. I mean, you gave him a six. Six is barely, barely above doing all right. I was, I was editing. Why? Uh, I said seven, and I said to my past self whilst editing, that was harsh, and then you came along with a six. It was the first episode that we'd uh, recorded for a long time. I think we're just easing ourselves back in. Yeah, maybe, because usually we, we match up quite well with our scores. So. But still, he's still got Jenny C. So he still scored reasonably well. Yeah. Um, we did the adding up wrong, as per usual, but I just <sighs> I spliced in an edit in the episode, so we don't need to correct nice. ourselves. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, it's good. Anyway, we're still just chatting. Let's do this. Right. The first thing I'm going to say, yep. it's not the first anymore, that's just what it says in my notes, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to say it now. You know the utter wealth of sources we've been enjoying recently? Oh, yeah. yeah. For the last quite a few episodes, there's been loads of sources. We've been getting loads of details. Uh, it's starting to dry up. Uh, uh, I mean, we're, we're not talking the crisis dirge yeah. of uh, sources or anything, but... All you got was a, a, a painting and a and a, a bit of pottery and that's it. Yeah, we're, we're now we're now back down to I can re- read all the source material or at least all the main source material probably within within an hour or two. Okay. So, yeah, it's really really reduced. So we don't have as details. Uh, we've got another lengthy rule coming up, but it's it's just we're going to have to it might feel like we're skimming a bit. But instead okay. of for time reasons, it's because there's just not much there. So um, at some point, 40 years just disappear. Oh, pretty much, yeah. Uh, right. We're also not going to start with John. Uh, we're okay. going to talk about his sister Anna, Anna Komnina, oh. the eldest child of Alexios and their mother Irene. Now, Anna, who wrote her biography, was first engaged to little Constantine Ducas. Do you remember little Constantine? He was the uh, the the son of the old emperor Michael. He was part of the Ducas family. He was kind of just left hanging around a bit, yeah. flapping in the breeze, as it were. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the noise he made. It was very disturbing. Yeah, it uh, would be. That's why no one wanted to like have dinner with him. As little Constantine was heir 
uh, to begin with, that meant that Anna, when she became engaged to him, became Empress-in-waiting. So this is Alexios's eldest, a daughter. She thinks she's going to be the Empress. Well, sort of. I mean, she's a child at the time. So, But still, it must have been nice. But then, on the 13th of September in 1087... That's right, we've got a complete date there. John was born. This is the eldest son of Alexios and Irene. And obviously, because he was born with a winkle, that made him heir. And uh, little Constantine was bumped down the pecking order. Left flapping in the breeze again, he was. <laughs> yes. Uh, and obviously, uh, that sort of made Anna, his, his fiance, also flapping in the breeze, no longer able to look forward to a time that she would be Empress. It is theorised this is perhaps why Anna and her brother John do not get on at all. So it's just sour grapes, essentially. Yeah, that's the, uh, what the historians I've read um, come up with. But I don't think that fully explains it. We've had countless siblings in the past where... And they would know as well. Like, they'd yeah. know, like, I've got a child now, so I'm not going to be... I can't help but think there's more to this story. Maybe there's a personal slight somewhere that we've lost or something. Because I know, um, like looking back at um, the Tudors, Queen Mary, she's she's essentially going to be the queen after Henry. Yeah. Um, until what's his face was was it Edward. Yes. Edward VIII. Sixth, um, I believe. Sixth, but they you know they got on really well. She was quite nurturing towards him. Oh, there you go. When John was around five years old, he was formally made co-emperor. Uh, but obviously, as we've seen. For the last few centuries, co-emperor just means Caesar or heir. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do um, not make any decisions. <laughs> yes, definitely no, not. No, John, no. no. Uh, however, as we saw, Alexios and his ducus wife, Irene, uh, they weren't on the best of terms, if you remember. Yes, they were having children together, but they didn't necessarily like each other much. No. And, That'd be really awkward, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, it must we need have a, been. We need another child. Fine. Yeah. Irene and the rest of the Dukas family were not happy that little Constantine was just flapping in the breeze once more. It, the, the noise just disturbed them all. They didn't like it. Yeah. So it seemed... <laughs> this seems to have left Irene preferring her very capable and intelligent daughter, Anna, over her son, John, who she grew to despise. So it wasn't just Ooh. Anna who didn't like John. John's own mother grew to hate him. So... Wow. Yeah. Maybe he was that ugly then. So <laughs> maybe he was. You, you really see a, a a power struggle created between Alexios and his son John and Irene and her daughter uh, Anna, where you, you get these two factions, which obviously incorporated other parts of the family and court and all sorts. But yeah, wow. it it wasn't wasn't all fun and games and charades at Christmas. Let's just say no. that. Now, at the age of around 10 years old, something happened that changed John's life forever. Happens to all 10-year-old boys at some point. First Lego set. No, the first crusade swept through the region. Of course, I remember my first crusade. Yeah, I know. It's it's a big day. It's a big day. It is. It can be a bit frightening. um, But Yes. But it's fine, as long as you've got an adult, a trusted adult to talk to about what what the first crusade sweeping through the area means. Yeah. Someone to reassure you. Maybe an older yeah. sibling. That's fine. Yeah. After lots of political wrangling, which we saw in the last episode, uh, the crusading armies headed across the Bosphorus, and they lay siege to the nearby city of Nicaea. With the help of Roman ships, they take the city. Now, the reason why this is important to John is that at the time, there was a ten-year-old Turkish boy in Nicaea. 
and he was captured during the siege. His name was also John. Uh, John Azuch. Azouch. This is one of those names, whilst, whilst I was writing my notes, I said to myself, must look up how to pronounce that before we record the episode, and I promptly forgot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's spelt A-X-O-U-C-H. Or at least it's sometimes spelt that way. Obviously, spellings differ very wildly. A-X-A-U-C-H. Yeah. Azouch. Azouch. Axoch. Ax, Axoch. Axouch. Axouch, yes. Yes. <laughs> that's his name. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's how they use names, like the mother there with the father. What should we name him in the middle of a battle? Yeah. Axouch. Yeah, Great that, name. That's, that's, that's quite clearly what happens. So, yeah. yes. Uh, for reasons lost to time, John Axouch, uh, <laughs> so many of our listeners who know this period of history will be wincing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Or anyone who who believes that people should care about pronunciation. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, for reasons lost to time, the ten-year-old boy was given as a present to the Emperor Alexios. Here, have a ten-year-old Turkish boy. Now, Alexios, thinking to himself, what shall I do with this ten-year-old Turkish boy, decides, I know, my son John's around his age, and he's looking a bit lonely at the moment, his sister keeps calling him names. John! John! Do you want a friend? Yeah! Here. Have a friend. Insta-friend. That's nice. Insta-friend. And you know what? Insta-friend worked. Because John and other John... John Axouch... (laughs) Azouch? I I don't know. Uh, Anyway, they soon became lifelong friends. Literally, the rest of their lives, they were as thick as thieves, they were. That's good. Yeah. A couple of years later, little Constantine dies at the age of around 21. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, So, Alexios decides, right, I need to find another political match for my daughter, Anna. So he started scouring the powerful families. If you remember in his episode, I mentioned that he managed to wed most of the powerful families into his family to make one cohesive unit. Yeah. Uh, well, which powerful Never. family caused quite a bit of fuss recently? Ah, yes, the Bryanios family. They've revolted recently. So let's wed them in. Uh, so Anna wed Bryanios. Uh, this is the son of the revolting Bryanios that we covered before yep. uh, and uh, yeah so Anna's in her mid-teens and she gets married to a Bryanios. Uh, from this point on Irene wastes no time telling her husband Alexios how their daughter Anna and her husband Bryanios should rule after them. Yep. Anna's a bright spark and she really was and uh, this Bryanios, I mean, he's all right, here too, especially with Anna behind him. And really, Alexios, are you really thinking of John? After all, John was, and I quote here, rash, pleasure-loving, and weak in character. I thought he was called the Beautiful. Oh, well, we'll get to that. Whereas Bryanios, according to Irene, was learned in the liberal arts which develop moral character. Alexios was having none of it. No, his son was John, not Bryanios. It's clear who should rule afterwards, woman. Leave me alone, was yeah. essentially what he said. No. Well, they didn't get on, so... No, he had no truck with any of this. Uh, so life continues. John grows up, and due to his father's dedication to military matters, John became very interested in the military also, although we have few details, but it would appear he did not spend a life of leisure in the palace. He followed his father around and learnt the ropes. <gasps> like a gym? Yes. Like in so we had to climb the ropes. It's like, yeah. right, John, get going. It chafes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you nice. ever have to climb a rope? At school? Uh, yeah, but only... The last time I did it, I was like year two or year three, but I remember doing it. Yeah. Oh, so you're, you're like six or seven. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I, I don't think I ever did. I don't think I've ever climbed a rope in my life. It's like they had the old like wooden scale. They'd then bring out the scaffolding, latched into the floor. These ropes would dangle down with a knot on the end. You have to try and get up. Yeah, I that, never could though. I'm very weak. That stuff stayed glued to the uh, wall of our hall <laughs> and never got used. I think too dangerous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So. John was doing that. He was on the scaffolding. He was learning the ropes. Now, despite his mother and sister's insistence that John was indeed a fun-loving idiot, uh, it would appear he grew into a very serious adult. Very pious, very calm. Uh, so, I, those stories are probably just made up, to put it bluntly. And they're, they're the kind of qualities you want in a leader as well. Yeah, they, it helps, Not doesn't flappable. it? Yeah, yeah it exactly. <laughs> Unlike little Constantine. Yeah. Yeah. He's dead um, now, so it's fine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, at the age of 17, it was a happy day for John because he was married to a Hungarian princess. Hungarian Again. by name. <laughs> Hungarian by nature? Yeah, I suppose she probably was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah uh, again, this is Alexios uh, making political ties. Um, some might have been upset that the heir was marrying a princess from the outside world, but it helps to have those political ties in this day and age of uncertainty. Yeah. Uh, now, this was a woman named Peroska. Peroska. Uh, yes. Uh, unfortunately, uh, though, because it just gets confusing, of course she changed her name, and of course she changed her name to Irene, because that is the name of choice for women at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, I might just carry on calling her Pariska, uh, just yeah, so we can tell the be difference easier. between the other Irene we've got. So uh, so do you think it was sort of like, it was an official name change? It was a kind of... A, yes, because uh, she converted to Eastern Christianity. Okay. Yeah, and had a baptism and was renamed in the name of Christ. She took her Christian name, which is obviously where we get the idea of our Christian name being our first name now. Oh, it's just we tend not to change names anymore. But, yeah. Irene I was her Christian called, name. I want to be called Brian from now on. Brian. Yeah, no, Brian works. Yeah. Cool. Fair enough. We'll have to change all the intros. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Right. Yeah, so a couple of years after they get married, uh, while joining her husband and new father-in-law on campaign, Peroska uh, gives birth to twins, a boy and a girl. So John now has two children. The boy was named after their grandfather, Alexios. So he is now... The heir's heir. Ooh. Emperor in waiting, in waiting. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, another six children would be born to the couple over the years. Wow. Yeah, um, we get That's a few rampant. details on the relationship, but as far as we can tell, there's nothing to indicate that they did not get on well, unlike uh, John's parents. Uh, so let's hope that it was a happy relationship. Okay. Um, of the six children, four of them were boys. So the aforementioned Alexios was the eldest... Then there was Andronicus, then Isaac, good family name, and then yeah. finally the youngest, Manuel, who was born with a, a small black cigarette. cigarette yeah. in his, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he's back. I mean, it's nice. it's always good to have Manuel back on the scene. In black yeah. clothes. Yeah. Just laying out on a, well, this long bed thing is called, it's actually half a seat. Just just strolled out on one of those. Yeah. <laughs> So we have we have uh, we've got an heir in Alexios. We've got a couple of spares, Andronicus and Isaac, and then we've got little little cool Manuel, who's uh, just too cool for school. Just before the last child's birth, the Emperor Alexios became ill, and it became very clear he was about to die. He's the heir's heir. 
No, 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 no. Sorry, this is the Emperor Alexios, so John's oh, father. So, but he's the emperor. <laughs> yes, even more urgent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, uh, John was in his early 30s by this point. Uh, <laughs> so he skipped past almost 30 years of his life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We really nice. don't get much on his early life at all. He was a bit worried, was uh, John. Yes, he's the heir, but he was also very aware that his mother and his sister and his brother-in-law, Bryennios, all did not want him to be emperor. In fact, he was worried enough that he asked his brother, this is another Isaac, so we call him Isaacius, <laughs> right. uh, he asked his brother Isaacius for help, and together they came up with a plan. So he was perfectly, he wanted the throne then, he wasn't... Oh yeah, like, yeah, the throne's his, okay. he's the heir, but he was worried that his immediate family were plotting against him. His own mother was plotting against him, that was his fear. Is he going to try and arrest them, his family? Because that'll look bad. Well, yeah, there is that, and we will get to that. But it was simpler than that to begin with. Uh, He just went to go and see his father on his deathbed. (laughs) Dad, I'm telling. (laughs) Dad, can I... I know you said I could be emperor, but, like, really, could you put it in writing? I know you put it in writing, but I don't know, just... (gasps) How How about now? Yeah, yeah, how about now? Well, they talked for a bit, and they embraced. And whilst they were embracing... John secretly slipped off the ring that the Emperor was wearing. This is the signet ring. So the ring that they'd used to to do the wax seals that identifies who they are. There's only one ring like this, and it is the Emperor's. Yeah. Is he doing a coup? Well, he's the heir. Can he coup? That's a good question. (laughs) Yeah, he's just making sure. Listen, tell us what you think. Can you coup if you're the heir? (laughs) I don't think you can. Now, also, uh, it would appear, surely, Alexios was aware of this, because it would be hard to take a ring off your finger without being aware, but then he was on his deathbed. <laughs> so you know how rings get a little bit stuck? He's like, come on, he's there for ages, yeah. and they yank it off, twist it, bring the butter, lube it up. Have you ever seen the uh, Disney version of Robin Hood? Uh, not for a while, but yes. But you know how in the start the, he's, he's kissing the ring and he sucks off all the rubies? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, we're guessing that Alexios, the emperor, was aware of this and let John take the ring, or he was too out of it, or John was just really good at sleight of hand. He created a distraction and was just able to yeah. whoop, <gasps> ring's gone. What's that o- over there? Is that a weasel <laughs> coming through the window? It certainly looks like a weasel. Yeah. Jeff, what do you think? One of 10,000. <laughs> That's okay, they went over the Bosphorus, remember, and they all died. Well, that's true, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Every single one, apart from, obviously, the Jeff that's still around. Uh, (laughs) um, So, John's plan. He's got the signet ring. He then leaves the chambers, and he gathers some of his most trusted men around him, including his friend, Axe Ouch. He grabbed some <laughs> weapons and he <laughs> and he headed for the Great Palace. But John's way was barred by the guards. What are you doing entering the Great Palace right now? They said. <gasps> he lifted his middle finger with his signet on. <laughs> Maybe not the middle finger, but John shows the ring and demands the guards open the door or ask for further proof that he was the rightful heir. So let me in or throw down, essentially. The guards, probably wishing they really had pulled the other shift that day. (laughs) Have a quick chin wag. Yeah, let's just open the gates. I mean, he is meant to be the heir. No one said we couldn't let him in. Uh, Yeah, yeah, fine. In you come. So John enters the great palace and he is declared emperor. Now, Alexios isn't dead. And also, John is co-emperor 
and air. So, again, is this a coup? It's debatable. Uh, According to the source Nicetus, who we get most of our information from from this uh, time, John's mother Irene was taken surprised by this move. She immediately went to her son-in-law, Bryennios, and asked him to take the throne. This is your chance, Bryennios. Go, take the throne. Bryennios apparently replied, no. Really? Yeah. (laughs) It's not not what he married into the royal family for. Because that that would be... A coup. That, that was definitely a coup. Yeah. It's like, you can debate whether John's cooing, but Bryennios going for it, it's like, he's not in line for the throne at all. That's a full-on coup. Yeah. So then Irene went to her still-dying husband. Our son is a usurper, she, she shouted, and demanded that Bryennios be made emperor instead. Alexios apparently didn't respond, but merely smiled. A very bitter Irene told her husband that he excelled in deceit. Always have done, always will do, even though you're dying, essentially, was what she said. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very bitter way to leave. So there you go. Irene just left. Uh, Meanwhile, John is carrying out part two of his plan. Part one was get into the Great Palace and call himself Emperor. Part two was called Lockdown. He's now in the Great Palace. No one is allowed to leave the palace. No one is allowed to enter the palace. I am Emperor. No movement allowed until everyone is very happy I'm emperor. I'm just imagining a very nervous waiter, just one, one for four, still holding a tray, going, can I, can I move? I'm imagining a group of guards who are about to clock off, like five <laughs> oh, minutes, who no. are just so, so annoyed. <laughs> so, do we get overtime for this? this Seriously, is... we really pulled the wrong shift today. We really did. It's my anniversary. <laughs> that night, Alexios dies. The Emperor is dead. Irene sent word to her son. Your father's died. Come out of the palace. Stop being silly now, son. Attend your father's funeral. Let's let's put all this behind us. I wouldn't trust that. John didn't trust that. <laughs> John sent word back. No thanks. I'm happy here. In fact, I'll, I'll quote Nicetus. Like an octopus clinging to the rocks, John hugged the palace. I'm hoping that's literal. Yes, <laughs> he was there. One of the pillars just clunk. Yeah. Come yeah. on, Emperor, your, your father's died. We need to go to funeral. No, oh, no, no. It's fine. Uh, over the next few days, John felt comfortable enough to finally ease the lockdown, much to everyone's relief inside, I'm sure. The people generally were with him within the city. After all, he was the heir and he became Emperor. It's Fair all enough. fine. It's with all a very board. successful father as well. So. Oh, yeah. It's very obvious who should be emperor next. It's fine. John's brother, Isaacios, who, remember, had sided with him over their mother and sister, was declared Sebastocrator. Again, my pronunciation's awful, I'm sure, because that's a Greek word, and that didn't sound Greek. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But if you remember last episode, I said that uh, Alexios created a title for his brother that meant better than Caesar, because he had to give the title of Caesar to Melesinos. Um, yeah, yeah. This is the this is the better than Caesar okay. title. Nice. Yeah. So there you go. His brother Isaacius is now the better than Caesar man, which is nice. Yeah. However, the most important post he gave to his childhood friend, Axouch. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Yay. Because Axouch was made the grand domestic. He was in command of all the armies, not just the east or the west the entire forces of the Empire now answer to Axouch. 
So he's equivalent like a field marshal in the UK. Yeah, okay. yeah, but also wow. almost like a, a political grand visor kind of uh, grand chamberlain, as we had lots of recently. It's that sort of role. It's it's the emperor's right hand man yeah. is what Axe Ouch becomes. I, I'd assume as well. It's more of a ceremonialish role because he's had no, no experience in the army. No, it is no? not. Oh no. dear. Oh no. Oh, no you no, don't no, do no, that. No. What? No, don't worry. Really. It's all okay. Right. It's all okay. okay. Uh, whether it's luck or whether Axe Ouch was by John's side growing up and they both learnt the ropes at the same time, which seems likely. I don't want to give away too much, but yeah, you don't need to worry. The, oh. the armies are in safe hands. Because it would appear, from what we can tell from the few sources we've got, Axe Ouch was, uh, and I quote here, an all-round good egg. Uh I'm not quoting a source or anything there. I'm just quoting someone who once said that phrase. Excellent. Yeah. He was well-liked by the public, apparently. Um, and interestingly, he was also well-liked by most of the powerful, including members of the royal family, despite the fact that he was essentially a Turkish prisoner of war who was now occupying a position usually given to a relative of the emperor. But no, he's just John's mate. No, and that's, that's a great position to be in. Fair. Yeah, he's not Roman royalty. He's not even Roman aristocracy. He's no, not he's even. A guy. He's not even a Roman. He is just. <laughs> no, a, yeah. yeah, and why? And you would expect quite a lot of upset, but as far as we can tell, with the limited sources we've got, there doesn't seem to be any. So it would appear he was just a thoroughly nice guy who got on oh. with everyone. Good. Well done, yeah. Axe Ouch. Yeah. However, not everyone's happy. As you can imagine, Irene and in particular Anna were not happy at all that their sort of coup failed. So they attempt another plot. This time, Bryennios was going to lead a group of men to storm a royal palace that was just outside the city walls. John was staying there, a bit of a holiday, uh, get outside the city. So this was the perfect time to storm the place, bribe the guards to get inside, take over. The guards were indeed bribed. Everything was set to go. The night of the coup arrives, all of the men that they'd hired to stage the coup assemble, apart from one person. Jeff. Actually, Jeff might have been there, but he wasn't part of the coup. He says it autographs. Uh, Bryennios himself. Bryennios himself did not show up. Oh. He had had second thoughts, or rather he had had his first thought uh, just a bit stronger in his own head. <laughs> no, I don't want to do this. Uh, a furious Anna was uh, very angered by her, what she saw, her spineless husband. And we get one of the most bizarre quotes from any source I've ever read, which uh, I'm going to warn now, it's a little bit rude. <laughs> this uh, Sort of, but it's a bit more explicit than that. Uh, really? I'm going to attempt to use a code, because we are a family-friendly podcast. Okay. Uh, despite that string of obscenities that you've you just used, and I've had to bleep out. Uh, <laughs> you could just cut it from the episode. No, no, no. I've, I've got the sense of bleep thing, like, in GarageBand the whole time now. So it's, it's there. It's ready to go. Every time I say something. <laughs> yeah, have you listened to an episode recently? <laughs> no. The podcast has pretty much been like Mike Duncan's for quite some time now. It's just a one-man <laughs> podcast. I, I do this to keep you entertained, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and use a code so I can get across what Nicita said. I think you should without... just say it. No, no, I'm going to use the code. Right. You the use word, code, right. The word advantage is well established in this podcast. We all know what I mean when someone's got an advantage. 
guess, oh, whether yes. large or small, it's an advantage. So I'm guessing you can probably figure out what I mean by pressing the advantage. Yes. Yeah. Well, according to Nicetus, a furious Anna got revenge on her husband by doing the following. She used contracting movements during the pressing of the advantage to cause great harm to said advantage. Which, uh, I can't help but feel tells us far more about Nicetus than it does about anything else. It really does. <laughs> it's a, just a bizarre sentence. I read it and just went, what? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm guessing Nicetus was feeling a bit frustrated the day that he sat down to write this part of his history. <laughs> I, th- I think so. I think maybe Nicetus should have gone for a quick jog before doing his work that day. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice cold bath. Yeah. <laughs> of a run around. Anyway, apparently Anna's not very happy and uh, somehow punishes her husband. (laughs) Anyway, the news soon reaches the Emperor, John. He is not best pleased, obviously. His sister is attempting yet another coup. But he lived up to his reputation of being a calm person. Uh, Bryanios was in no way punished at all. Hmm. After all, he had not cooed. (laughs) He'd suffered enough. (laughs) (laughs) Limping around. (laughs) The men involved had had their property confiscated, but that was it. Uh, No blindings, no nose cutting off, no exiling. And as for his sister, well, what's he going to do with Anna? Send away. That's probably the best thing to do. Yeah, pretty much. He takes everything from her, her land, her titles, her property. And what should he do with all of that? Who would you give that to if you were John? Oh, Mr. Axouch. Yes, Axouch gets all of it, sort of. Because John announces this publicly in front of Axouch, who then very quickly asks to speak freely. <laughs> Excuse me, sire. <laughs> John, John, <laughs> can, can I speak? <laughs> and Dude! I, <laughs> and I quote, Oh, master, spare your sister and chastise her with kindness. Or in other words, no, 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 no. I am well-liked within the court, but I realise how precarious my position is. I am an outsider and I always will be. Please don't drag me into your family feud. John thinks about this and replies, I should be unworthy to rule should you be deemed more merciful than I towards my own family. So in the end, uh, Anna gets all her wealth back and everything, but she was banned from court. She spent the next 35 years living in a convent where she had little to do but to write, where she writes her fantastic history of the rule of her father. Do you think all this was a pre-planned conversation? Like, I, I reckon they were backstage, because obviously it was on a stage. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, well, I'm going to say this. Well, you, yeah, you need to say this. Like, yeah. Do you want me to emphasise more? That way we both come across as ruddy good fellows. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I think that's, yeah. How, I think that's I how think it came so. across. So anyway, at last, John felt like everything was settled. It would appear that the immediate threat of a coup against him was over. So it's time to look around the Empire, figure out what needs to be done. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. Well, actually, it's not too bad, remember, because his dad yeah. had done pretty well. They were certainly a lot better than things were when his father had come into power. The Danube region was fairly quiet. The Bekenigs were still recovering from their loss to Alexios. Mm. Uh, the Hungarians were causing some trouble on the Dalmatian coast, but that region had pretty much been given up on anyway. Uh, it was one of those two or three colours of pen when drawing out the map kind of thing. So he's not uh, an empire builder? Well, well, we'll get to that, but 
just for now, the Dalmatian coast is more effort than it's worth, especially with the Venetians nearby. Let's just, yeah, whatever. All those dogs just given away. Uh, the current Pope and the Western Roman Emperor were fighting for power between themselves, so we could ignore that, thought John. Yeah. The Normans, well, they've been a huge problem uh, throughout my father's reign. Uh, however, they're not doing much at the moment, because if you remember, Bayamond died not long before the end of Alexios's reign, and he was yes. the one leading the charge for the Normans, well, he's gone. So, thinks John, the West seems relatively settled. Let's focus on the East. Let's focus on Asia and, and the retaking of the rest of Anatolia, which we lost. Yeah, my dad got a good chunk of it back. Let's keep mm. going. In fact, Alexios had regained about one-third of the interior of Anatolia and pretty much the entirety of its coast, which obviously is where the, the richest cities are, mostly. The Turkish-controlled land was currently being ruled by the Sultan Masud, uh, but he was rapidly losing that control to a new Turkish group rising in the region, the Turkish Danishmens, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, yeah, why not? The Danishmens were under the rule of... Amir Ghazid II. There were a group of Turks who were migrating further and further into Roman-held Anatolia, so John decides it's time to go and do something about it. Put your foot down, essentially. Yeah, uh, And no he more. does. He does. Two seasons of campaigning, which we get few details on, uh, but he does very well. He pushed the Danishmen's back over to the Turkish side of Anatolia. Nice. So, do you know how long a season was? Is that like a year? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's the months where you can grow crops basically. Yeah. Okay. So you can move your army around and feed them. Okay. Now, if he wants to push his advantage, however, um, <laughs> as in his right. actual actual advantage... Uh, his he actual couldn't... advantage? Oh. Well, his, his... If he wanted to push the successes that he had had recently militarily, oh, okay. I should say, yeah, he couldn't push them. Uh, because, guess who are back? Uh, the um, Caliphate. No, no. Oh. Normans? No. no. Hungarians? No. It's the Bekenics, Jamie. Oh, the Penguins, yes. Yeah. Do you remember last episode I said they're pretty much wiped off the map another 30 years until we see them again? Well, this is what happens when oh. emperors have long rules. Um, <laughs> oh, you're back. <laughs> yeah. 30 years until we see them again for a while meant, oh, a good four or five months worth of episodes until we see them again. But no, 30 years have already passed. All right. Um, yeah. Alexios had defeated them, wiped them off the map, as we've talked about, but the children of those fighting are now grown up, and they had become a force once more. It wasn't as big as it was, but it was still enough to trouble the Empire. I guess they're, they're more into revenge as well. Cause they're yeah, they certainly weren't happy. So John raised his troops and went out to meet the raiding force. In fact, I quote, John engaged the Bukenics in combat in the morning twilight, and there ensued one of the most frightful and terrifying battles ever fought. Well, that's not true. It could be true. We don't know. We don't well, get much details. <laughs> that <is a> good <laughs> point. Annoyingly, that's the kind of sentence you want at the start of lots of detail. But yeah. no. We get some, though. Uh, it's the most detail we do get for any fighting that John does. Uh, the mechanics realised, oh dear, we're in trouble here. Uh, so they quite literally circled the wagons. They got all the wagons that they had. They made a huge circle out of them. And they made a fort out of them. Oh, it's like when you make a fort as a kid. You put like the yeah, exactly. Over they got all the couch. yeah, and the blankets and yeah. yeah, two chairs back to back. 
Let's go. Let's Start go. with their colouring sheets and their pack of biscuits yeah. inside. Yeah, exactly. Nikitas tells us that John led a charge on the ramparts with a group of Varangians, uh, which turned into hand-to-hand combat, which uh, he, he was mildly injured in, apparently, but nothing too severe. And he, he yeah, so there we go. We've got John leading a charge of Vikings slash Englishmen, because the Varangians were mostly Englishmen at this time. You, you see, that's the trouble with lack of detail, because an injury could be a grazed elbow from the wall. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. who knows? But but still, leading a charge in a battle. Yeah. Not many emperors can claim they led a charge in a battle. That's true. Yes. Certainly not in the last hundred years. Yeah. And it was as decisive a victory as his father's had been. The really? mechanics were wiped off the map once more. Hey, for another how long? <laughs> uh, pretty much. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, the penguins are gone. Yeah, I know. And you've only just decided they're penguins as well. And we could have I had know. fun with that. I mean, I've been talking about them for for, for about 300 years. I know. I know. I know. Oh, well. We could go back and insert penguin jokes into all the old episodes. That's true. That's what we're doing. Uh, (laughs) Maybe it's because they were always wore tuxedos when they were fighting. Yeah. Exactly. See, we could have had a field day with this, Jamie. I know. Podcast gone. And it's gone. 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 It's gone. Gone like that. Damn it. It's fine. The next, the next group of people we come across that begin with P, penguins. Yes. Pencil. Yes. Write that down in your notes. Pen, G, W, I, N, penguin. Good. Got to it. celebrate, John ordered the festival of the Pekenics. Well, fish. Everyone dressed up as penguins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this festival lasted for a century, apparently, at least a century. Because it what? was still going on when it was written about a century later. Yeah, every year they just celebrate what? the fact they slaughtered a bunch of mechanics. So did it? So did he declare a cent? Did he declare it must have gone for a century? No, no, no. Uh, we know about this from a source that wrote a hundred years later, and the source says um, something along the lines of, "And this is how the festival of the mechanics started," which still goes on to this day. So who decided it stopped? Uh, it probably just fizzled out at some point. Maybe it still goes on today. I didn't check. <gasps> People Maybe in penguin costumes yeah, in, uh, exactly. in Turkey right now. Let us know if you're in Turkey. Do you wear penguin costumes once a year? So... Everyone's celebrating the fact they've massacred some people. Everyone's really happy. Uh, and then uh, John goes and puts down some unrest with a tribe of Serbs as well. Why not? And he nice. resettles them in Nicomedia. Again, not much detail on that, but it was another victory. It's another tick in the wing column for him. So there was generally a celebratory air in the capital, uh, and John announced that his eldest son was now co-emperor. So that's Alexios. So co-emperor not better than co-emperor. Co-emperor, as in he's the heir. Really, he's the heir now. Yeah, okay, fair enough. However, things take a bit of a nasty turn here. Uh, When ambassadors from Venice arrive, Alexios had given the Venetians incredibly generous trading rights and a permanent base near the capital in return for their help against the Normans. Uh, Essentially what this meant is for a few decades now, there have been rich Venetian merchants swanning around the place, lording it over everyone about how rich they were. On massive boats as well. Yeah, exactly. On land, just just Yeah, eating lots of ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. When Uh, your moon hits your eye, that's what they sing when they're moving the boat through the soil. Yeah, exactly. Uh, The citizens of Constantinople became to resent these very rich Venetian merchants just sort of swanning around on their their boats through the streets of Constantinople. It was was a nuisance. Um, (laughs) That was my horse. You've killed him. (laughs) You sailed over him. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, they, it was just jealousy, essentially. Yeah. The Venetians had better trading rights with the Romans than anyone else, and because of that, they managed to make a lot of money, and uh, people didn't like it. People started to say things like, why exactly did the <laughs> Venetians get all these good perks? Because they did something a few decades ago for the last emperor. Due to this, John decides that enough is enough. So he let the ambassadors of, of the Doge to Venice know that from now on, Venice would have the same trade agreement as everyone else. Oh, it's like the UK, leaving the EU. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's economic uh, bartering, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no longer do you get the positive perks. You can't have your, um, your trading base next to Constantinople anymore, because, no, we're trading from here now, thank you very and much. get your bloody boats out of the city. Yeah, exactly. Venice weren't too pleased about this, as you can imagine. And they, by this point, really were starting to do very well as a merchant city. Uh, so much so that they Perfect can... Place. They, they they were quite rich, and they could start to afford a large fleet. Oh. Remember last time I said they're not quite the powerhouse they've become? They're really getting there now. Uh, See, this, this is really weird, thinking of Venice as like its own little state with oh, an army. Oh, yeah, a... for, for a while, Venice was... I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, Ven Venice was uh, a force to be reckoned with for quite some time, um, as, as we're starting to see now. I just uh, thought it was arts and canals. The arts and canals have got to come from somewhere. It comes from the money, and the money comes <laughs> yeah. from, uh, from from this, essentially. Anyway, through the mid-1120s, the Venetians started raiding Greek islands belonging to the Romans. After several large islands fall, including Rhodes, John swallows his pride. Okay, fighting off the Venetians will cost far more than the trade deal ever did. Yeah. And yes, we didn't like the rich Venetians swanning around the place, but this is swallowing up my resources here. I want to be able to focus on taking back land in the east. I don't want to be focusing on fighting Venetian fleets. So, fine, Venice, have your trade deal back, have your base of operations back, fine, whatever, was essentially the message. So, a tick in the wind column to Venice there. Boom, they said. Yeah. So, Europe settled once more, time to look back into the east again, and things have gotten worse in his absence. The Danishmans had grown in power, and now were the major Turkish power in the area under Ghazi II. In fact, they were doing so well that they had recently defeated Bayamond II. That's right, Bayamond had had a son. Oh. Yeah, and Bayamond II had come along, at uh, the tender age of around 19, to Antioch to become the new Prince of Antioch, uh, he hadn't lasted long. He lost to the Turks, he had his head chopped off, it was then embalmed and sent to the Caliph in Baghdad as a gift. Nice. Yeah. Here's a head. Now, John probably wasn't too upset by this, because after all, Antioch is Roman. It should be Roman. So... Who cares if the Normans are starting to lose it? We should have it. So John spends the next five years in Anatolia fighting the Danishmans, mostly successfully. Battles and skirmishes take place, raids and uh, sieges take place on cities and forts. Uh, and ultimately, after five years, John has done a good job. Yeah. However, there was personal tragedy at this time, because John's brother Isaacios, remember the one who supported him in the uh, yeah. at the start of his reign? Uh, he'd started to feel a little bit grumpy. Because yes, he was the better than Caesar, the Sebastocrator, but that role under their father had meant better than Caesar. You are top dog right-hand man. 
Uh, under <laughs> oh, yeah. John, it didn't seem to hold the same weight anymore. Well, uh, I guess Axe Axe Ouch is the yeah exactly. The guy, right? Yeah, the Grand Domestic seems to now be the the right hand man. Uh, in fact, many seem to have John's ear above Isaacios, including this this Turk who's just hanging around the place. So Isaacius starts to think that maybe he would make a better emperor than his brother, so he starts to look for support. And he found some, but not really enough. Not in the capital itself, anyway. He starts to try and plan a coup, but, I don't know, he just got a few memos out, he sent out some feelers. Like, they hadn't really set up a meeting or anything. Just just comparing diaries, see, seeing when, yeah. when they could meet up. That was about it. Yeah, so um, I'm free on the 5th. Are you? Oh, I can't do the fifth. Can't do oh, the fifth. well, the next one is the twelfth. Oh, yeah, I've pencil it in, in the afternoon. Pencil it in. They're on the penciling in stage, basically, and John okay, finds out. Isaacius immediately flees the capital because his brother <laughs> found out he was trying to coup. Fair enough. But where does he go? Well, he can't go to the Pekenigs because they're gone. Yeah, and also they're just a bunch of northern barbarians. So why would he go there? Slash penguins. Slash um, penguins. It's something really obvious, isn't it? It's some. It's a group that I've mentioned in this episode. The Turks. Yes, the Turks. I thought you were going to say the Venetians, because that would, in my head, kind of make more sense, but no. Well, I never make sense. But that's probably just my Eurocentric uh, thoughts, um, that I always tie the Romans <laughs> to the West more. Yeah. Uh, because at yeah. this time, actually... As you can see, with Axe Ouch being there, there are a lot of ties between the Turkish uh, dynasties and the Roman dynasties at this point. Huge amount of trade going between the emperors. Yes, yes, they're at war, but there are still a lot of ties between them, yeah. as there always is. Uh, so, Isaacios decides to approach Ghazi too, as the emir of the Domitians. And, as you could imagine, he was very well received. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Brother of the Roman emperor wants to come and join us? Hello. Come on in! <laughs> Isaacios then spends the next few years bobbing around the various powers in the region. So, like I say, the Emir of the Domitians for a while, but then also the Sultan of Rum and the Governors of Trebizond, that's in the top right-hand corner of Anatolia, which is a kind of breakaway Roman state at this point, because things right. were all messy, because the Crusades yeah. just ripped the area apart. Um, yeah, I did try and think of a way to keep on top of where everything is at this time during a podcast where people can't see a map. I just gave up. All you need to know is the map yeah. is a mess. I, the, I'm at that stage. The, so. the, the poor man in charge of the maps, he's, he's no longer two or three pens that he's using. It's got... You know those biros where you can select all the different colours going round? Oh, he's brilliant. taken the top off that biro so he's got access to all the colours at once and he's just <laughs> colouring with that. Ex- yeah, it's, that's just, great. it's just a mess. The whole map's just brown. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but all you need to know is Isaacios, the Emperor's brother, is sort of bobbing around the region, uh, generally trying to find any support to go and uh, usurp against his brother. So whilst his brother is trying to carve out this coup, John keeps up the pressure in Anatolia uh, as a whole. He still wants Anatolia back. And again, he does very well here. Enough so that he was able to have a triumph in the capital around this time. Uh, A chariot full of jewels was pulled through the streets, which is very nice. Also a chariot pulled by four white horses with an icon of Mary on it. Uh, John did not sit in the chariot himself. He walked in front of the chariot that had Mary on it, uh, leading the horses. Because although he was the victor, he was nothing yeah. compared to God. 
or the mother of God. Triumphs always go down well with the public, uh, and this one, good times. Good times were had, yeah. but it was one of those uh, one of those unfortunate triumphs. It was it was a oh. it was a premature triumph, Jamie. Oh, they prematurely triumphed. Yeah, no one wants a premature triumph, do they? It's a if bit I, embarrassing. If, if I remember, even Trajan had a premature triumph at some point. Disappointing. It is, because you've got all all excited and het up, and you, you've celebrated, and then, oh dear, the job's not actually done. But also, with a premature, premature triumph, because you celebrated it, it's like you got that. You got to get that second wind again and get that enthusiasm exactly, back. Exactly, exactly. It's tricky. Some historians have speculated that perhaps maybe this triumph was less to celebrate his uh, victory over the Turks, but more to establish very firmly in the minds of the public exactly who the emperor is, because his brother Isaacios right now is trying to drum up support for a coup. So maybe that's what was going on there. Anyway, John and his family set off on campaign once more, and with him went his four sons. Can you remember their names? Uh, Isaac. Yeah, that was the third one. I think it's told me the name of two. Um, Alexios I, I... and Isaac. Then he said he had daughters. Did you tell me the names? John. One, one was called no, John. No, no, no. That's no John. Uh, Alexios was the oldest. He's now the yeah. heir. Isaac. Then Isaac. Andronicus. Andron- oh, yeah, you did tell me, yes. Isaac, and then obviously Manuel. Oh, of course. Oh. Of course, Manuel. Damn it. How could you forget Manuel? He's too cool. He's just He's chilling out in the cool. corner under yeah. a slightly darkened lampshade smoking his cigarettes against the jazz. Yeah. Uh, the whole family were forced to turn back. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I feel like a newsreader. You know, when they do the really happy story and they're laughing and yeah. then suddenly <laughs> in, in other news, seven people have died. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The whole family were heading off on campaign, including uh, their mother. But uh, she dies. John's wife dies, oh. the Hungarian princess. Pri- um, Pris- Prisaka? No, Prisecco. Pris- what was her name? Poroska. 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 Oh. Uh, changed her name to Irene, remember? So, yeah. Oh, she's, Irene. Yeah. Well, that's easy to remember. But this is why they did it. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole family turned back, returned her body to Constantinople, uh, and they have a funeral. Oh. So, there's a war on, so back into the field they go. Now, Ghazi II, the Emir of the Danishmans, happens to die around this time as well, and the Danishmans go into disarray. Uh, John was able to use this momentum, and most of the richest parts of Anatolia come back into the empire at this point. So, Hooray! Yeah. Pretty Money. much, They pretty much got most of it back that they lost. This That's is good. looking really good. Uh, yeah. So what next? If they've got most of Anatolia back, what else do you want in your empire? What else went recently, which is really annoying? It's Antioch, Jamie. I can see oh, you're about uh, to say it. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's, of course, yes. I, I'm hoping in, in the edit you didn't leave the massive pause. No, no, definitely didn't. I was about uh, to I, say Antioch. I, I didn't even extend it by twice. And then edit me saying, come on, Jamie, it's Antioch. Say the word Antioch, Jamie. No, I, I didn't. <laughs> I can't think. I can't think. <laughs> Um, well, I hope he left out all that rubbish. Yeah, yeah, I definitely did. Yeah. yeah, no, he's going to go over after the crusading states uh, because they crusaded and surely they should have given Antioch back to the Romans. After all, Antioch is Roman. Uh, so, it's looking weak at the moment. Bayamon II's died. Uh, surely it's the time to get it back in the Empire. However, Antioch was held by the Normans at the moment, and the Normans were also close allies with the Armenians, as it so happens, due to politics I've not gone into. Not only that, but in Sicily, 
a Norman king was gaining power once more. The Normans went quiet for a while, but they're starting to rise up again. Because Roger's there. Roger, again? Yeah, yeah, Roger's back. Now, many historians I read claim that this Roger is the nephew of Robert Guscard and not the brother of Robert Guscard uh, that we talked about last time. But we know better. We know it's the same Roger. It's always the same yeah. Roger. Yeah. Uh, so Roger's back. Uh, he's growing in power. Roger is the cousin of Beaumont too, so he actually had a claim on Antioch. When you say Roger's grown with powers, he discovered email. Yes, it's it's terrifying stuff. So you've got a new king, Roger, in Sicily, controlling quite a large portion of the south of Italy, and he's thinking, maybe I can go over to Antioch and claim it as my own. Also, obviously, we've got John looking at Antioch and thinking, that should be mine. So uh, John, realising that the Normans might be a problem here, looked back at what his father did. He sent a message to the Western Roman Emperor and said, and I'm paraphrasing, if we send you a disgusting amount of gold, (laughs) will you keep the Normans busy? Of course. (laughs) Yet again, the answer came back. (laughs) Of course. Disgusting, you say. (laughs) My (laughs) favourite amount of gold. So, there we go. The Normans are being kept busy by the Western Roman Emperor. Time to go and get... Armenia and Antioch. Now, when I say Armenia here, it might not be what you're thinking of, uh, because Armenia's moved since we last saw it. I'm going to be very honest. Publicly, I don't quite know where Armenia is. I'll find a map. When we've been talking about Armenia for pretty much the entire podcast, I've been talking about to the right and upper bit of modern-day Turkey. But obviously, places shift over time. Oh yeah, you pulled up a map. Yeah, go right a bit, because that's just Turkey. Oh, near Georgia. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, near Georgia. Yeah, that that's modern day Armenia. It's uh, it wasn't quite there, although it was there, but it was also slightly different at the time. And in oh, fact, yeah. at this time, Armenia had actually got control over the bottom of Anatolia, so the southern part of modern day Turkey. Okay. Again, this is all due to the region becoming completely unstable due to the mess that the Romans were in and uh, the Macedonian dynasty and then the crusading states sweeping through. Uh, it just caused huge amounts of changes. Uh, but all we need to know for now is that Armenian nobles had taken over the region of the south of, Turk, of, the south of Anatolia and they had had help from the Normans who were in the area at the time. So the Armenians were taking control of the region known as Sicilia, that is that bottom Anatolia. So I will refer to it as Sicilia from now on. Sicilia and the Normans are allied with each other. John wants to go in and take both of them. This will get pretty much all of Anatolia back, and it will also start to get regions like Antioch in the Roman Empire once more. Now, John's forces were battle-hardened by this point. After decades of competent military rule under his father, and then under him, the Roman army is now a force to be reckoned with once more. They go into Sicilia and just sweep through the region like a knife through butter. A hot knife or a cold knife? Uh, A hot knife. Oh, just just charring the butter. Yeah. The butter, however, has, uh, like, um, I don't know, currants in or something. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) Uh, It's got bits in. Burnt toast. Maybe, bits of burnt toast, yeah. Because the current leader of the area, a man named Leo, he was an uh, Armenian noble who was ruling Sicilia at the time, he fled with his sons when John came sweeping through 
and they essentially run to several forts, his forces do. John decides not to bother trying to siege these forts. He wants to move on to Antioch. So he goes through like a hot knife through butter, but he is leaving some resistance behind him. He just bypasses the forts. So Leo is still in Sicilia, but he's very weakened. Then John wastes no time. He goes through the mountains towards Antioch. And now we need a very brief tangent to explain who the Prince of Antioch is now. Because the Prince of Antioch was Bayamond, and then it was his son, Bayamond II. Mm. But his son, Bayamond II, had an unfortunate incident involving his head being parceled off, separate to his body, to Baghdad. Thou put damper on your day. Exactly. So who, who exactly is now the Prince of Antioch, I hear I don't you ask. know. Well, I'll let you know. It's a man named Raymond, who had just come from England. Raymond. Uh, yes, that probably was his accent, because he was a Frank. Ah, bonjour! Yes. <laughs> so, a couple of things you need to remember to understand this. The crusading armies came into the region. Yes. One of the crusading armies was being led by Bayamond, and he took yep. Antioch. Yes. One of them was being led by Godfrey, and he took Jerusalem. Yeah. Godfrey's brother, Baldwin, was also very powerful, if you remember. Yes, big. Yeah. Big and hen. <laughs> Why not? Uh, now, Bayamon died after he was defeated by Alexios. Yeah. His 18-year-old son, Bayamond, was drafted in, and he didn't last long. But what I haven't mentioned before is that Bayamond II got married when he went over to Antioch. He Ooh. married the king of Jerusalem's daughter. Now, Ooh. Godfrey by this point's died, so his brother Baldwin's taken over. So, Bayamond II marries Baldwin's daughter. Quick question. Um, at this point, I imagine... Jerusalem's very much Islamic. Oh yeah, yeah, because it's been Islamic for, for hundreds of years by this point. That's um, what I thought. But yeah. there's also a very strong obviously Jewish population there yes. and a very strong Christian population there as well. Yeah. Um, it's the it, religious hub essentially. Yes, yeah exactly. Yeah. You'll, you'll get all sorts in Jerusalem definitely. But at the moment it's being led by a Christian king, a Latin Christian king as well. Um, oh. Yes, not a not an Eastern Christian king called Baldwin. Anyway, so Bayamon II marries Baldwin's daughter. You with me? I'm with you. Then, within a couple of years, like I mentioned, Bayamon II is killed and decapitated. His heir was a two-year-old daughter named Constance. Feminine version of Constantine, I imagine. <laughs> yes. Her mother was named Alice. So this is Baldwin's daughter. Are you right. still with me? Baldwin's daughter, Alice. Alice and Bayamon too had a daughter themselves named Constance. Now, Alice was advised to wait for her father, Baldwin, to tell her what to do. Baldwin's the king of Jerusalem. No one's really in charge of Antioch anymore. Let your father make the decision to what happens. He is the most powerful of the crusader leaders. However, Alice did not like the sound of this. She had enjoyed ruling Antioch with her husband, so why shouldn't she just carry on? who says that she can't be in charge. Her father made it very clear, that's not going to happen. (laughs) He made it so clear that he marched on Antioch with his troops against his own daughter. Uh, On the way, he intercepted a messenger from his daughter who was heading to the local Turkish emir asking for help. Help me fight my own father and you can have this, that and the other. Right. (laughs) As you can imagine, Baldwin's not happy with this. Um, it makes it awkward at Christmas. That's it really sure. does. He was less happy when he arrived in Antioch and found the doors <laughs> closed. The walls were shut. He was forced to wait outside the city for two days until someone betrayed Alice and opened the gates. 
Alice was then exiled by her father, and Baldwin made himself regent until little Constance found a husband. We need to find a husband for this child who can be the Prince of Antioch. Then Baldwin died, unfortunately, for, for the political situation. But Baldwin's got a son-in-law who takes over, and his name is Falk. What? Falk. F-U-L-K. Falk. Right, okay. Yeah. Emphasise the L. Falk. Good, strong crusader name. Now, Falk happened to be married to Alice's sister, because obviously this is Baldwin's son-in-law. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all in the family still. Maybe this family is very webby. Time. It is, yeah. yeah. This is why I'm trying to be as clear as possible. So to be clear, Baldwin's daughter is Alice, but he has another daughter who is married to Fulk. So in other words, Alice and Fulk are brother and sister-in-law. Yeah. Now, Alice's sister persuaded Fulk to bring Alice out of exile. Let my sister come back. I know my father exiled her because she was trying to rule herself, but go on, let her back. So Alice came back to Antioch, and then, without Fulk realising, she wrote a letter to none other than John II, our Emperor of the Day. Let's finally see how it's going to start fitting into our episode. Yeah. Alice had an interesting suggestion. How about my daughter marries your youngest son, Manuel? I hear he's too cool for school. And I think he would get on very well with my daughter. He could become the Prince of Antioch, and therefore it kind of goes into the Roman Empire once more. Mm. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Falk heard about this and hit the roof. What the hell? (laughs) What the Falk, he said. said. Because remember, they... (laughs) They swore on their own names at the time, didn't they? That's true. They did, did. yeah. (laughs) So they needed to find a husband for little Constance quickly before her mother did something. I'll fulking find a husband for her, (laughs) he said. A quick scan of eligible men was made, and, uh, well, we've got to find someone with the right sort of breeding, obviously. Uh, So some family trees were pulled out. Yeah. Can't can't get someone too distant, someone nice and royal. Um, (laughs) How about Raymond? They said. Raymond. Raymond was the son of the Duke of Aquitaine, and he was currently staying in the court of Henry I of England. Wow. Yeah. I'm hearing I'm hearing a name that we're we're familiar with. That's yes. Insane. Yeah. Wow. So he's with Henry I of England, isn't he? Uh well t- tell you what, someone get over to England and tell Raymond to get over here. Alright? And then he can marry the two year old and he can be the Prince of Antioch. So <laughs> you're pulling a face. <laughs> That's not a win win. <laughs> well, Raymond was summoned, although he delayed until the death of Henry I until December 1135 before he left, but he did leave. He travelled through Europe to get to Antioch, travelling through Italy. Whilst he was travelling through Italy, none other than Roger heard of this, and he wasn't happy. Remember, Roger wants Antioch for himself. Mm. Yes. He did not want this Raymond fella going through his land to get to Antioch to claim it. So Roger ordered Raymond's arrest, but Raymond dodged the men sent after him and arrived in Antioch in late 1136. However, slight problem, no one had told Alice that this prince was coming over to wed her daughter. Now, no one was able to hide the fact that Raymond was coming, this was big news. Uh, So they came up with a story to tell Alice. They told Alice that Raymond was coming to wed her. Yeah. <laughs> She's in a dress and everything. Yeah, apparently Alice was quite excited by this. Oh, no. Young dashing prince. 
I've got the perfect dress, just like dressed yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for Alice, once Raymond arrived. Oh, imagine the Hindu. Oh. <laughs> All your friends are there, and then they're there at the wedding. You're in the chapel on the day. Your little daughter, your little baby daughter's there, being carried down the aisle for some reason. But it's nice. It's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Standing, being held at the. Fr- what's what's going on? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, once Raymond arrived, uh, he was whisked off and uh, married to uh, little Constance immediately, much to Alice's utter horror. Yeah. For multiple reasons, I, yeah. I hope. So Raymond is now the Prince of Antioch. That's who the Prince of Antioch is. Merely months after this, really not long at all, the Emperor of the Romans suddenly turns up out of the blue, having cut through Sicilia like the aforementioned hot knife fruit butter. Hello! <laughs> Hi, I'm Emperor John. You appear to have my city. Raymond probably said, oh, bleep. <laughs> well, you would. Yeah. Yeah, he was completely outnumbered. Uh, there was no way he can stop John from taking the city, so he sent out a message. How about... Uh, Emperor John. Uh, how about I recognise you as the Emperor of Antioch, of course, uh, but I stay as the Viceroy. I, I stay in charge of Antioch, but obviously, obviously, you're the Emperor. How about that? Obviously, yes. Yeah. John sent back word. What do, what do you think John says? No! <laughs> yeah, you got it. I will accept <laughs> only unconditional surrender. Was, uh... yeah. Yeah, John, John wasn't messing about at this point. I want my city back. So Raymond sent word back again. Oh, of course, of course, of course. I will unconditionally surrender if I could. But I am merely the protector of Antioch right now. The real heir is Constance. Um, I'm merely holding on to it for her. I can't really give it up. I'll tell you what, though. King Folk could do that. If King Folk sends word that I can unconditionally (laughs) surrender, of course I will. So they sit around for a while, waiting for word from Folk. And when it arrived, it was not what Raymond was hoping for. He was hoping for a we-will-never-surrender. With a secret second letter, don't worry, Raymond, I'm on my way. Uh, No. No, 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 no. Uh, I will paraphrase Falk's reply. Fair enough, John, you can have Antioch. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Fair Um, play. (laughs) Yeah, Falk was busy fighting the Turks in Syria. He did not need to fight the Romans at the same time. It would have been too much for him. It's a bit more complex than that. I am simplifying for time reasons and also because it just gets complicated with all these names and deals that are put in place. But roughly what happens is an agreement is put in place by John. Raymond only has to swear an allegiance to the Roman Empire. You don't have to give up Antioch. Then they would all together as a big happy party go and take Aleppo, Edessa and Hammer. Basically the nearby region. We will control this region. Then Raymond could have Aleppo, Odessa, and Hammer, all good places, and in return, you will give me Antioch completely. Sounds good? Yes, yeah, good deal. Yeah. I'd go for that. R- Raymond wasn't happy. Oh, he, okay. he He wanted Antioch, but there's nothing he could do. Now, it's too late in the campaign season to do that plan right now, so John heads back up into Anatolia to mop up any Armenian resistance in Sicilia. Remember that there was the toast crumbs left. Oh, yeah, So, yeah, yeah, he's got to go back and clear up the toast crumbs because no-one wants toast crumbs in your butter. They're always there, even if you don't need toast. Exactly, so he's got to to go and figure it out. Mm. Uh, And here is where we get um, some sudden detail all all of a sudden, which is what sudden detail always does. 
comes across you suddenly. Uh, yeah, we get one story of a particularly tough crumb of toast that was hard to take called Bacca. Now, Bacca was being held by a man named Constantine, an Armenian high noble who uh, was meant to be built like an ox. And apparently... Like four legs and horns. Yeah, yeah. Now, apparently, wow. he stood on the walls of the fortress every night during the siege and just mocked John's wife and daughters. John's recently deceased wife and his daughters. Yeah. That's... To say how he mocked, I'd like to say uh, crude drawings, uh, mimes, gestures, <laughs> gestures. Oh, the gestures. The gestures. One day, as the siege dragged out, this Constantine loudly called down that he would fight anyone within John's army. One-on-one -on -one combat, winner takes all. John accepts. He looked around and he chose a soldier in his army named Eutratius. Now, Eutratius was given a large shield and a new sword. Are you ready to take on this ox of a man? Um. <laughs> oh, no, no, apparently Eutratius was picked for a reason. He was one of the Emperor's best troops. He was also an ox okay. of a man himself. He, he, oh, he, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, he should be able to do well. I mean, they did choose Jeff to begin with, but he fainted, uh, so he couldn't take that. <laughs> so Eutratius gladly stepped in front of the walls and called up to Constantine. If he was serious, he'd best get down here so they could fight. Constantine came out, and I quote, The huge and courageous warrior hurled himself at Eutratius, like a tornado whirling in thunder and lightning. He's Thor. Yes, he is Thor. So vicious was the attack, John despaired. He thought his warrior was about to die, and he'd, he'd lose the one-on-one -on -one battle. Winner takes all. The Roman forces were cheering on Eutratius, obviously. Cheering on their champion, but something was odd. Again, I quote, but although he raised his arm, often as if to deliver a blow against Constantine, he would hold back. It was as if some spiteful sorcerer restrained his right hand. So Eutratius is there, and every time he lifted his sword arm, he'd just pause and then lower it, as if he couldn't quite bring himself to strike Constantine. I, I, think, there's a, a, I think there's a deal going on. You think I think a it's deal? been prearranged. Yeah, I think it's a, a farce. This you think is... Eutratius has been bribed by the enemy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then, all of a sudden, Eutratius, from nowhere, suddenly delivered such a blow that Constantine's shield was cut in twain. Wooden shield? Yeah, yeah. Just just goes through it. The, the shield splits, shatters. Or a badly made shield. Maybe it's a badly hell. made shield. With no defence, Constantine runs back to the fortress defeated. <sighs> tail between his legs. Because he is an ox. Um, <laughs> now... John spoke to Eutratius afterwards. Well, what what happened? Why weren't you able to, to fight for so long? Was Were the, there demons? Were you being held back? Tell me! Eutratius simply replied that he had wanted to cut the shield and Constantine in two with one mightily impressive blow. Uh, but Constantine kept holding his shield too far away from his body, so he couldn't quite get the angle right. <laughs> he, he, he wanted a... Like he wanted an action shot. Yeah, he yeah. wanted to show off. Yeah. Uh, and apparently... <laughs> I'd all up and everything. <laughs> well, apparently after a while, Eutratius had realised that he'd started to look silly. I uh, quote, He realised that he could not stand there and do nothing. So in the end, he decided to just chop through the shield. John loved this story so much, he rewarded his soldier splendidly. And uh, soon afterwards, the fortress fell. And soon after that, Sicilia was taken, Leo was captured. Uh, so that is it. That's the entire south of Anatolia back in Roman hands. Nice. 
Yeah. After a break for winter, it was time to take Aleppo like the original plan was. So John heads back to Antioch. He picks up a very depressed Raymond, who is being forced to do this against his will. Raymond. Probably felt like he should have stayed in England by this point. Uh, and off they went. But Aleppo was very heavily garrisoned by the Turkish governor in the area. This is a man named Zengi. That's a great name. It is a good name. John takes one look at Aleppo and decides, uh, this looks a bit like a toast crumb to me. Let's skip this one. Let's head for Shizar, uh, which was a much smaller city. It should be easier to take, but it's got a good location for controlling the area. So, quick victory under the bout, good for morale. So the siege begins, but then some bad news. Zengi had been reinforced by the Caliph of Baghdad and was heading their way with a huge force. Not only that, Raymond was not pulling his weight. Remember, Raymond, he didn't want to be there. No. Uh, I'll do the cooking for tonight. Yeah, apparently he just stayed at the back with some other Frankish nobles playing I'll cards. The sh- I'll buff the shoes. I'll oh, buff didn't the e- shoes. Didn't even it's do fine. that. Didn't even do that. Stayed in his tent playing cards, apparently. It's strategy. It's strategy <laughs> training. Yeah. Uh, Go John, fish. <laughs> John, John couldn't trust the forces under uh, the Prince of Antioch, uh, so he couldn't really use them. Now, this isn't surprising uh, that Raymond was feeling like this, because if you remember, if John is successful in this campaign, the agreement meant that Raymond would be forced to give up Antioch. So Raymond's got no incentive for this to work. He is just there to pad the forces. Yeah. Anyway, John's got no choice. He was just going to have to retreat. The uh, The forces under Zengi are on their way. He knows that it'll be a tough battle. He doesn't want to lose his first battle on this campaign. So well, that'd be fine. embarrassing if he did. So. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to start off on a loss, do you? No. It puts a dampener on the whole campaign. So yeah. just as he is opening up his suitcase to, to pack up his stuff uh, and leave the city, word suddenly came from within the city. Hello. We give up. Oh. Obviously, the city had no idea that Zengi were on the way, uh, so it was just perfect timing. If we come into the Empire, they said, uh, and also if we give you this table we have that belonged to Romanos Diogenes, yeah? Hey! Yeah, 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 we, yeah, got, yeah we got a yeah. table. Someone nicked it after Manzikert. Uh, Check out his episode. <laughs> yeah, it's got rubies in it and everything. So if we give you this table and promise to be in your empire, will you let us live pretty, 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 please? And John, not believing his luck, because he was about to retreat anyway, went, yep, sign here, sign here, sign here. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you! Yeah. Uh, so off he went before the Turks arrived. He decided to uh, announce that as a victory, and off he went. They headed back to Antioch, where John acted as if he was the emperor, because essentially he was. Uh, but Raymond's really not happy by this point. Antioch was supposed to be a Roman ally, not part of the Roman Empire. That was the agreement. We're an ally. Right until we finally give the city up. It's a subtle difference, but it's a difference. Then Raymond was summoned by the emperor. I'm going to need your citadel over winter, Raymond. (laughs) So if you could move all your troops out. Yeah, I need need a winter home. Yeah, exactly. I need somewhere to keep my troops and the siege engines. So uh, I've decided uh, your home base is where I'm going to be. There was shocked silence in the court. Uh, A friend of Raymond, another Frankish noble, asked for some time to consider the request. John granted them some time. Of course, I know this must be difficult. Uh, You've got to figure out how to move all your furniture out. I've got Mm. this shiny new table to move in. However, Raymond and his friends sent word out into the city. The Greek Romans want to take the city away from us Latins, was essentially the message. Okay. And what do you guys think about that? 
Rioting soon began. People didn't like the idea. John, realised that pushing this would cause a lot of unneeded bloodshed, decided to withdraw. But Good only call. for now, Raymond. After winter, I will be back and we will have words about this, mm. Raymond, was essentially his message. And when I say words, I mean slitting your throats. So, he heads home, only to find that his brother, Isaacios, was there. Remember, Isaacios has been bumbling around oh, all this time, trying yeah. to get a coup. Yeah, Hello. it hadn't worked, and they'd been captured. Oh. Isaacios and his son had been captured. That's unfortunate. John was in a good mood, and he pardoned them both completely. You completely forgive him. Uh. Yeah. But John couldn't stay in the capital for long because the Domitians had sorted themselves out and were causing trouble once more. So John set off along the northern coast of Anatolia, uh, the Turks fleeing before him. He really was a force to be reckoned with by this point. Uh, however, he came across the stronghold of Neo-Caesarea, uh, and he was flummoxed. I can't find the door! <laughs> he couldn't figure out a way of getting into the city. Uh, it was well defended. Many skirmishes started to take place, but this was going to be a long protracted siege, John realised. And then one day, during one of these skirmishes, John was surveying the battle... And he noticed that one of his uh, best knights had lost his horse. And that was bad, because people looked up to the knights for, for, for moral courage. Yeah, well, that, um, well, the horses are very encouraging. Yeah, exactly. So John turned to his nephew. Yes, that's right, the nephew being the son of his brother Isaacios, the one ah. he's just pardoned, who tried oh. to coup against him. <laughs> you can do me a favour. Yeah. Now, his name is also John, so let's call him Little John, or possibly U-Boy, which is what I'm guessing John called him. Little Johnny. Yeah, U-Boy, Little Johnny. Yes, the one who I, <laughs> I just pardoned. <laughs> Get off your horse and give it to my knight so he can carry on fighting. Now, Little Johnny was furious. He was royalty. He was not going to give up his stallion for, for just some lowly knight. So he answered that he would give up his horse if the knight beat him in one-to-one -one combat. Um, what do you mean by one-to-one -one combat on a horse? Is that like it, jousting it, or is it... Oh, it doesn't say. It just said in a duel. But we're getting very medieval here. So let's say jousting. Why not? <laughs> or does that mean horses it, with knives on their hooves? Maybe. It could have just been a sword fight. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I will be honest. But it was a one-on-one -on -one fight. Uh, there was a silence after this uh, where John and I, quote, bristled with anger. The, yeah. the battle's literally going on. John yeah. needs his forces fighting and his ungrateful nephews moaning about his horse, saying he wants a one-on-one -on -one duel. So John repeated his order, get off your horse and give it to my knight. Little Johnny realises, uh, yeah, actually, no, I need to actually do this, because John had started to do the countdown. Oh, no. Yeah, and no one wants to know what happens when no. you get to zero. Okay. Yeah. Three, two, one. Fine, fine, I'll half, get off my horse. I'll, I'll get off my horse. A quarter. Get off my horse. So little Johnny gives his good horse to the knight. Very unhappy. <laughs> Obviously, he is... He is uh, the nephew of the Emperor, so he has very quickly found another horse. As soon as he is given another horse, he immediately rode off towards the enemy line, charging the Turks. Yeah, huzzah. What's he doing? He's on his own. He's defecting. Oh. Yeah, li literally in the middle of the battle, just like that. He just rides off in a sulk and defects to the Turks. See, I always hope in these circumstances, which 
don't happen often, but um, like the enemy don't realise and just attack. I, I wondered that. It's like you're in the middle, <laughs> middle of the battle and someone's coming towards you, but no, apparently he defects. I guess battles. Like it'd be nice to do some research on actually how battles are arranged back then because. You assume it's fighting all day. There must have been pauses. It where... will not be as chaotic as perhaps you were thinking. It very yeah. much will have been organised with periods yeah. of fighting and manoeuvres. Yeah, yeah. It's not like in the films where it's complete chaos yeah. all the time. Are uh, you going to attack at 2am? Yeah. Well... In, until a rout maybe. takes place, of course, because then, yeah. then it is. Oh, gloves are off. Anyway, all very embarrassing for John, but his nephew is defected. Uh, and also what's embarrassing for John is that he could not take the city. But then the leader of the Danishmans suddenly dies, as they have a habit of doing at this time. Uh, once more, the internal squabbles meant that John did not need to worry about them anymore. Uh, yeah. So it's time to go back to the Crusaderlands once more and take them back. So in 1142, John raises his troops once more, sets off with his four sons. Do you remember what his sons are called? Isaac. Yeah. Uh, Alexios. Yeah. Manuel, of course. Manuel. And the other one. Andronicus. And that's what I said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, we're, we're getting better. We're getting better. Yeah. Um, you'll be pleased to know that you don't need to remember these names for much longer. No! Because as they were traversing the, the bottom coast of Anatolia, as they called it, illness <laughs> swept the camp. To John's dismay, his eldest son and the heir to the throne, the co-emperor, Alexios, dies. No! Now, John needs to get to Antioch. He can't turn back. Time is of the essence. So, he orders his second and third sons, Andronicus and Isaac, to take Alexios back to the capital and sort out his funeral. So off they go. News then comes back to John. Andronicus, his second son, had become ill on the way home and died. Uh. According to Nicetus, John was brought to his knees by such calamity. So yeah. in, in a matter of weeks, two of his four sons just die. His two eldest sons as well. That's quite traumatic. Yeah. Nonetheless, he orders that his new oldest son, so Isaac, stay in the capital to keep things stable. The death of two royals might cause problems. So you stay there, Isaac. Uh, Manuel... You come with me, he said, whilst Manuel was just leaning casually against a, a tent. I mean, he was upset about his brothers, because yeah. one solitary tear rolled down his cheek, but yeah. he didn't react in any other way. I will avenge you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He pulled out his sword and then just slashed an M into the tent and then just walked <laughs> yes. up. Yes. Yes, that's what he did. <laughs> yeah, so as you can imagine, it was a very unhappy emperor who arrived in Antioch. Uh, he'd had enough by this point. Remember what he'd said to Raymond before? We will have words, he said. It turned out he had one word, and that was surrender. No more deals where we pretend we're kind of working together. No, give me my city back. Raymond was stuck, because his, his vassals made it very clear to him, if you give up, we will dethrone you. And no one likes a dethroning. It doesn't mean you get to go to retirement. We will kill you if you give up. Yeah, it's, it's not a positive thing. Yeah. So Raymond was forced to tell John, no, sorry, probably whilst cringing, because <laughs> he knows he probably can't win this. Well, he's not going to. Yeah. But due to various things, uh, fighting season was getting late once more, so John decides to postpone the war with Antioch until the next year, and he heads back to Sicilia to camp up there once more. Then on the 1st of April, 
11.43, John went hunting. The fact your son has a date implies... <laughs> it doesn't it bode well, well, does it? No. I've got the images of, a, what was it, a stag being carried on a stag again? Well, it's also April the 1st, and you never want to go hunting on April the 1st. Oh! Yeah. Japes were had. <laughs> <laughs> and it's dangerous. It's dangerous oh, no. to have japes whilst hunting. Oh, it really is. Oh, mm. no. This is a rubber arrow. Oh, yeah. no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone dressed up as a hog, ran around the fields. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the Emperor the Stag. I think it's the Emperor. Yeah. Shoot it anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> well, um, John killed a boar with his lance. However, the boar then surged forward in its death throes, and John's hand that was holding the lance was pushed back where it caught one of his arrows, and he got a scratch on his hand. Nicetus... If, if he dies from this... Well... Nicetus tells us that it was a poisoned arrow. However, it's possibly more likely that it was just a wound that got infected, which sounds really rubbish, so let's call it a poisoned arrow. Yeah. In fact, he's, he's got a whole like packet of poisoned dart frogs. Uh, yes. <laughs> a, little, a little pocket full. He may yeah. have licked one before. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. So who, who knows? Maybe it was poison. Maybe it was just infection. But yeah, it, it took hold. The 50-year-old John realised he was dying. His doctors suggested amputating the arm, at which point John went, no, no thank you. I think I'll pull through. His best friend, John Axouch, by the way, all these victories that have been going on, by the way, the armies are still being led by Axouch. So he's, he's doing a good job. Right. Yeah. He helped the emperor on his deathbed. John saw as many people as he possibly could whilst he was dying in an attempt to sort out any business. He didn't want there to be any mess after he died. The most important thing, obviously, was who was the heir. The heir was Alexios, but then he died. And then mm. his second son had died, and that just left Isaac and Manuel. So who's it going to be, said everyone. Toss up. Well, John gathered everyone who was important close to him, and according to Nicetus, gave a very lengthy speech that uh, went on for several pages, which probably didn't happen. But to yeah. sum up, I have two sons, he said, Isaac and Menuel. Both are very fine men. Both would be good emperors. Isaac the Elder, however, is quick to anger. In fact, he used the words, and I quote here, often flies into towering rages. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Manuel, however, was his brother's equal in all respects, but calmer. Dare I say it, cooler. <laughs> Therefore, my youngest of my four sons, Manuel, should rule after me. <laughs> You're looking excited. I'm looking very excited. And at this point, he dies. Ah. Oh, so do we, like, no spoilers... But do I need to perfect a Spanish accent before the next episode without being offensive? Do you remember episodes and episodes ago when the the character of Manuel was uh, developed during an episode, shall we say? Yeah. I looked forward to this moment because I knew there was an Emperor Manuel at some point. <laughs> yes! Yes, that's right. We have Emperor Manuel. Manuel! <laughs> Smoke this. <laughs> and be thankful. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. So there we go. That is the rule of John the Beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Although so. I, I'm more intrigued now to find out why he was beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go into it. Fightius Maximus. Okay. Fightius Maximus. Um, 
Like I say, we don't actually have a huge amount of sources, so we've kind of covered pretty much everything we've got. The two yeah. battles where we get a bit of detail I did go into in the episode. Um, so let's just go over things. Uh, he defeated the Bekenics, where he led the charge, remember? Where he was leading the charge with the, the Varangian Guard, which is always impressive. Uh, he also puts down some Serbs at this time. Then he does loads of fighting in the East against the Turks and the Crusading States. Nice. Um, this episode probably doesn't really uh, give you an indication just how much fighting there was. This is years upon years of him fighting and generally winning. Although, like I say, we don't have the detail, you do get the impression for the first time in a long time the Roman Emperor is seen as the top dog in the region once more. In terms so of fighting would... ability. Okay, so, well, I guess the Turks have been quite dominant. Um, they have, but they're fractured. And yes, they're still a force to be reckoned with, as of the Crusader states. But if you were to choose a leader of any of them at the moment who you think is being the most capable, John is possibly the one you'd say. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, he manages to reclaim most of Anatolia, and he sort of takes back Antioch, let's face it. Uh, okay, he's, Where, kind, yeah, he's, not, yeah. he's not completely got it. No. But instead of that biro with all the different coloured pens, it's it's back to two pens again, I'd say. It's, it's a two-pen <laughs> city once more. He was about to take it. Remember, Folk had given up on it. It was just Raymond going... He'd, no. he'd forked off. So. He had, yeah. So um, he probably would have been able to take it in the end. And he managed to make Antioch bend to his will for, uh, for quite some time and fight for him. So, yeah, all very impressive. We just don't get a huge amount of detail. What did yeah. they give his dad again? Was it seven? His dad got, uh, yeah, seven each. He's got to equal his dad, I'd say. It's just whether he, it was slightly better. Did his dad deliver a direct charge? Um, yes, he was there in the thick of fighting as well. They were back. Okay. They were quite similar to each other, I'd say. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd, you could I'd argue that. that John achieves more if you're looking at maps, but you could argue that Alexios was faced the bigger threats. So, um, I don't know, I'm going to go on par. I'm going to go seven again. I think he was very much his father's son. That's actually a fair point. Alexis had bigger threats. Yeah, he started at a, 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 a more difficult starting point. Yeah, um, mm. John inherited a, yeah. a, a calm and stable empire. A calmer. It was still tricky. Yeah, yeah of course. And but, he, still but a lot makes, he still makes gains on top. It's not that he just keeps his father's gains stable. So Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I'll go with seven. Yeah, I'll, I'll okay, that's that. another seven. So that's 14. Next. Mm. Okay, he doesn't do well here, I hate to say this. Now, his sister barely mentions him because she hated him. But yeah. there are the claims that he was fun-loving and irresponsible, and you'd hope you'd get some good stories from that. But no, it appears that that is just slander. Just, just slander. It's not true. <laughs> uh, like I've said, he was known as John the Beautiful, John the Good, but it is thought that this is, was describing his soul. He was pious, he was serious. He is described as being not particularly attractive, so some historians have suggested maybe this was a ironic nickname that he developed, but it uh, would appear, either way, he was not a crazy man. No. In fact, what the sources do say is that he was very calm and merciful, and that theory is, is played out. I mean, look at how he reacts to his cooing family. Mm. His sister, he, he does nothing worse than go and live in the monastery and write a book. His oh, yeah. brother, who coos, nothing, nothing at all. You're forgiven. Yeah, he, he's, he's a calm man. He's not crazy. He didn't really cause much opprobrium. 
No. I mean, he sort of cooed, but he was the air. Can you coo when the you're the air? I don't. He stopped to coo. That's what he did. That's not cooing. Right. If 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 uh, Prince Willi- uh, Prince uh, Charles stormed the castle with an army and declared himself king, whilst, that'll be a coup. Whilst Queenie is like in intensive care, I don't know. Is that a coup? Because because oh, yeah, Lizzie's no. almost dead, and Charles is just getting stuff sorted. Would he been in intensive care though? Is that an, is that a good equivalent? Oh, he he I, was he was about to die. He was on he was okay. on his deathbed. He died within twenty four hours. Do you think he knew? Do you think he's like actually? Yeah, I don't have it. Alexios. Yeah. Yeah, there was debate, but it, the fact that um, John was able to take the ring, yeah, he probably knew because he wanted I mean, John. Tr- to be yeah. his heir, so he would have been on John's and, side. And trying to wrest it from someone's finger, they're going to notice. They are. No, I, I, I can't. Nothing. I can't give anything, which is a shame. That's nothing. Uh, because yeah, I agree. Yeah, he loses points, but no, that's the way it is. Loser. Okay, next round. Success. Well, I mean, this one's good, isn't it? Uh, the empire is undoubtedly better than it was, uh, which is great because under his father, it was already improved. This is now two consecutive emperors who did well. This. This. Makes me feel like the ill, the Roman Empire will go on forever. That's, that's this, a great. This sign. could be described as a mini golden age, <laughs> or Very mini as it age. is described as the Comnenae Restoration. Oh yes, so it's got a whole thing named after it. That's impressive. You know, it's, it's good enough for in history to be named as a thing. I mean, I mean, history will know this time as the Totas Ranking Age. Yes, exactly. I'm pretty sure. But he is nowhere near as well sourced as his father is, so we don't get anywhere near as many details. But yeah. the economy seems to have settled by this point. The coups that kept going on all the time have settled down by this point, apart from the couple by his brother and his sister, but they're dealt with fairly swiftly and it doesn't bubble on into something else. They're properly yeah. dealt with. Generally, you're going to have been happy if you... You could do a lot worse if you were to put a pin in the history of the Roman Empire, where will I live? Yeah, it's a much reduced empire than it once was, but it's it's going in the right direction and things have got a lot better. But also everyone at the end of his reign would not know anything different. Yeah, exactly. It had just gone slightly better. So as someone living there, I think Mm. it would have been... It's pretty good. Again, I've got to equal his father. I'm going seven again, because nothing amazing... But it's good. But then saying that, I thought I was slightly harsh. I think you were definitely too harsh on his father. No, I'm going to rectify this, and yeah. I may even change a score from the <gasps> previous. Ooh, have we ever done that before? Dramatic. Yeah, we've changed score at the beginning. We said usually, we yeah. have we have done it okay. before. Okay, are we going to do it? Are we going to give? I'm happy to stay on seven. I'm. I will match. Are you going to match seven? seven? Yeah. So Alexius has now got a new point. So he goes up a point. So. That correction in the last episode now needs to be corrected again. Uh, and I'm going to equal that. Uh, I think very much like Father Like Son. It's a continuation of a damn good job. Yes, It's another seven. Okay, that's another 14. 14 again. Image of There is a mosaic of John II in the Hagia Sophia, which is always nice. Um, but mm. then we've also got a drawing from a manuscript as well. Which is fantastic. So we've got we've got two things that we can look at. We've also got the Hard Sphere version, but there's also a, a version that has been improved, as in the bits have been fallen out. 
Oh yes, there is. If you look on the Wikipedia page for for John Two, um, you can see a digital restoration of the mosaic. Yes, you can. So there he is, looking bearded and happy. That's nice. It's nice seeing it closer to how it would have looked at the time. That's that's good. I quite like that. He does not look like the ugliest emperor ever. Which, no, he uh, looks like a general guy with a beard, which yeah. straight away gets you at least five points. Yeah, curly hair, beard. He looks slightly smug, slightly slightly che- uh, cheerful. I like the fact he's holding either a bag of money or a bag of uh, dreams. I don't know. He is holding a bag. I'm going to say it's a bag of money. Bag of money. I'm going to go for a bag of dreams, but that's okay. Okay, we'll go fair back. enough. Um, it's nothing amazing, but it is nice. Uh, it's above average. I'm going to go for six. I'll, I'll match on the six, I agree. Okay, so that is a total of... Three. Three. Temple completed. And how long does he last? Ah, oh, so I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing about 40 years. 40 years? Wow, that would make him one of the longest reigning emperors. Okay, yeah. 30 years. We're getting closer now. He doesn't last... 25 as... years. 20... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 you just got it, you just got it. Oh, what? <laughs> it's a long rule. It is a long rule, but it's not as long as his dad's. All right. Um, which was which was approaching 40 years. It's um, 1118 to 1143. That's 25 years, which gives him a score of 3.13 for this round. So that, that's now two emperors in a row that have reigned for decades. We've not seen the like for quite some time. Stability, Jamie. And does he have a total score? Yes, he does. And I think about it all right. Hang on. Let, let me tell you. He got... <laughs> 30, 34.13. Yes. Yes. Right. There we go. That is probably not his score because I realise whilst editing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm confident this time. I am confident. Yeah, they're easy numbers. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, easy Bit numbers. of doubling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, he didn't beat his dad, though, did he? No, he didn't beat his dad. No. Who his dad, who got, definitely... He got 39.63, which makes me realise us give, you giving him that extra point has just knocked Alexios into the 40s club. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, so well done, Alexios. You're now in the 40s club. So, yeah, Probably deserved. So, John, not as good as your dad. Although I say, I'd say i argue you were as good as your dad. You just you just needed to be a little bit more crazy. I think if he'd inherited something worse, it would be more impressive. Yeah. Dad dad was four crazy on the crazy scale. Um, yeah. So you just needed a couple of little things, John. Just need to kick a puppy or something. But we now need to ask a question. We do does, need to ask a question. Get it? Does he get it? We do. Do they have a certain genesis? Do you know what? I think yes. I'm putting it out there. Because we're going to get so few as well. I think him and his dad in, in the chariot race, that might be quite a nice, yeah. uh, a beautiful thing. You've got to ask if his dad got it, why shouldn't he get it? Well, yeah. Yeah. Apart from the fact we've kind of seen it before. I, he, he, his, his reign is a continuation of his dad's in a way that we have very rarely seen. Usually the emperor that follows another emperor, you can see a definite difference in the way things oh, yeah. are being done, whereas I'm this really was a continuation. And since Alexios was doing well, a continuation of that is that's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing. Um, okay, I'm happy, if you're happy. Yeah. Brilliant, yes. I don't think him or his dad are going to last long in the chariot races, because they just need a bit more spark. But they do. they deserve to race. 
That's what I'm going to yes, say. Yes, they do. What about the third? What about Alexios's grandchild? What about John's child? What about Manuel? Do you think he'll be able to pull it off third time lucky? I don't think he will, but it'd be cool, so it doesn't matter. Oh, right, okay. Well, we will see next time, because that is our next episode. Manuel won. Right, but that is next time. So thank you very much for listening, and well done to John for getting Jeanne Cesar. Uh, yes, uh, thanks for downloading some Podbean and um, Stitcher and iTunes as well. Um, yep. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. It'd be great to speak to you. Yeah, we're still planning our changes that we will be putting in for Senate only, but just know there will definitely be more Roman Republic episodes than usual yeah. shortly. Uh, and maybe something else in the works as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes, but details to follow. Um, Let's just hope you guys like nudes. <laughs> yes. Okay, then, until next time. Like father, like son. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Sir, did you have a good hunt? Um, it was a strange hunt. It was strange, but did you have a good hunt? Hey, hey, hey. But like hey. I said, it was, it was slightly odd. I always thought unicorns were mythical. Ah, it's a joke. I got you with that one. It wasn't a unicorn. What? It was four servants carrying a carrot. <laughs> got you, sir. There, three of them are dead, though. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. But... You mean that unicorn I shot? It's no, it's it's they're they're dead. Your your servants are dead. It it, it was a joke. It was why would why would you do that? April the first, sir. Oh, a funny joke. It, it, a jest. It's today. April first is today. Yes, oh, yes. You got me. You totally got I me. I got you. I did. Remember when you shot that bat, sir? Oh, that was. I thought that was a really good shot. Was that not a bat? Uh, no, it's Jeff. Oh well, even better. Amazing. Wonderful. You know, I did think it was a bit strange when I realised my horse was actually a llama. It is weird. It is strange. We're getting animals from South America. We haven't even gone there yet, sir. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's really quite bizarre. And, but like the, when the horses all took flight, it started to fly around. And it was very impressive. Oh, How did you do that well, one? Well, um, it is quite a convoluted experiment. We had to tie lots of rigging to horses oh, and winch them into the air. I did wonder why they squeaked. They really didn't like it, sir. They, they started neighing quite badly. Unfortunately, it's only a 40% survival rate for the horses, but we got a Oh, we did. Oh, we did. Oh, Oh, it's hilarious. Oh, how they bucked. Oh, so when my aide, Constantine, got shot, you're saying he's not really dead? No, he's not really dead. That was a foam arrow, sir. Wonderful. Wonderful. I was mildly upset about that. Even better. Yes, no. Oh, great. He's absolutely fine. Tell me, how did you manage to create this this poisonous scratch on my hand? You you got touched by that arrow, sir. Yes, it's hilarious. Oh, was it? What what was it? Go and tell me. Um, it was poison, sir. Not that they'd have to lift the siege because you just wouldn't. You just carry on sieging, but John would lose face definitely. Well, you 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 would. You're facing literally a bull in the face and a big wall and fiery things, probably, and a whole rain of arrows. (laughs) 
It's a brave attempt, Jamie. I'm guessing you were sending a message there. You didn't hear what I said, I did was. you? I was. I did ask. <laughs> <laughs> you said that. It's like, you didn't hear what I said, did you? I really didn't. <laughs>